0: Yes, my friends, and welcome back to The John Mahon Show, powered, as always, by
1: Forever Fucking Loud. Powered, as always, by Forever Fucking Loud. Yeah. Fucking. Thought I'd sprinkle some sauce on it today. Sprinkle some effing sauce. (laughs) Some fuck sauce. How you doing, Ollie? I'm good. I'm sort of um, protecting myself today. Oh. From the spookiness within. Oh, because today we've got Sam from Shields protecting and then Chris from The Ghost Inside. I love it. The spookiness within.
0: The spookiness within. I love it. Well, that is a great way to introduce today's <laughs> guest, my friends. Yes, indeed. We will be joined by Sam from Shields and Chris from The Ghost Inside. From the
1: Spookiness Sam. Within. All The Spookiness Within. <laughs> Are you much of a Halloween guy? Um, no. No, I'm not. Absolutely either. not. I mean, like i don't hate it but i'm like i'm not going out of my way to dress up yeah
0: you don't strike me as someone with a strong fancy dress
1: it's just like why am i spending money for one night
0: to look like something
1: else and it's like no one really cares everyone just wants to get drunk (laughs) the most i'll ever do is buy a white t-shirt from primark and then splat it blood all over
0: yeah there we go your boy's a zombie
1: there we, yeah that's all you need all you need guys
0: and then beer well there's a lot to discuss on today's show news wise we've actually been very patient waiting for some news to kick off and today we've had a, a massive bit of news which is download festival have given us their next batch of bands so later on in today's show we'll be going through that but we we're having a little peek at it before we started and there's some interesting additions
1: yeah i can't wait to see the comment section yeah <laughs> Especially on Facebook. Face, people on Facebook fucking especially like
0: Love moan.
1: Metal fans on Facebook. They just like anytime there's a band announced that isn't that doesn't have breakdowns in. Yeah. They're like, R I P this festival. Yeah. It's like, grow up. Yeah. It's it's Grow the- up and listen to Busted.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, spoiler warning, that is one of the bands that we'll be talking about what? a little bit later just- on. Yeah. Where did that name <laughs> come from?
1: Spoiler alert, like people don't know can't just google it right now <laughs> that's very true you have to watch the show to find yeah, out this
0: is your only source of news news doesn't exist anywhere else outside of this show
1: no not unless i've had my put my opinion on it yeah it doesn't matter and then posted it on facebook
0: <laughs> oh well in terms of new music we're still having to be a little bit patient there isn't much new music kicking around at the moment
1: there's been some good releases i mean we did um new north lane
0: and yeah. alpha wolf it's starting to trickle in a little bit who else has released a single i know my release radar is still very very scarce at the moment from spotify like i'm not i'm not getting that much in it let's see i've just been playing the new oh, album i tell you what i tell you what we can do whilst we've got 10 minutes before sam joins us oh you ready for this do? what can we do we can react oh, to yeah something because i mean i've already
1: heard it obviously I imagine you have.
0: I have heard this as well. However, there is a brand new Bad Omens song.
1: Bad ba- bra- brand new bad omens. And Poppy.
0: And Poppy. And do you know what the interesting thing about this song is? What? The Bad Omen singer isn't on it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's no noah. No Noah. Uh, yeah. Noah no, 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 man.
0: Sebastian. <laughs> One thing that bad omens are really good at is energy. Like, yeah. they're really good at switching the energy of a song out I, of nowhere.
1: I think this is a really well-made song. Yeah. And I like that it has a theme. So, from what I'm aware... The melodic side. The when she's doing this, like, melodic-y thing, she's acting as, like, an AI. Ah. And then, it's she's basically playing, like, a character in the song, I think. Interesting
0: because I also saw somewhere that this song is comprised of loads of different parts from the death of peace of mind. Is it apparently? Yeah, those bars go so
1: hard. Yeah, I feel like Bad Omens are so good at this sort of heavy but also synthy Poppy. industrial. Yeah, I love, like this bit with the sort of blast beats, raise, like rising synth line, and then it's with the chugs. Mm. It's so bloody good.
0: I love those blast beats. Once second, I'll scrub that back a bit because this.
1: I do love that hook as well. The yeah. violence
0: against nature.
1: I just, yeah, I was talk about this, but I just, I feel like no, I could have had a bit in this. Yeah. Like, even if it was just like a screamy bit or something or backing vocals, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Like, I can hear parts of Death, A Peace of Mind in this. Yeah. Like, there's, I can't remember the name of the song, but there is, a, there is a tune they've got that has that sort of gallop to it. Yeah. I wish I could remember it. It was in the set list that they just did with Bring Me. I don't know, don't know which one. <laughs> the one that goes, "Can you hear me through the white noise?"
1: White noise is that the name of the I song. I think so, yeah.
0: <laughs> and we are going to be talking you. to someone who plays in a band that are responsible for some of the best lyrical acapellas before a riff or a breakdown hits.
1: They haven't done a whispered one though.
0: I was going to say, yeah, the whisper before <laughs> goes hard as a motherfucker though.
1: Everyone hates you. Yeah, right. That sounds good. Yeah, it, it does, did it? <laughs> I want that one <laughs> more time. Are they blast beats blast beats is when you just hit the snare very fast <laughs> is it is it the snare i always yeah. thought it was the kick jump no is it not that's just like a backbeat that's just a fast double
0: pedal oh ah, i always thought blast beats were like like yeah. a combination of like kick and snare yeah so, but it's just well, i mean the... you
1: can do blast without without <laughs> the kick but it has to have a snare it has ah, to have the snare
0: doing. interesting
1: yeah didn't know that otherwise it's just a fast double kick ah so this isn't the blast beat no
0: we'd be interested to see some videos of that one being played live and what Noah does in the meantime, when he's not required Just stands there. (laughs) We done Um, yet? Well, what do we make of that? My friends feel free to let us know. Shout out to Nevin. who's joined us today saying, whoa, new bad omens. Let's go. Indeed. My friend. Well, if you are just joining us in about three minutes time, we will have Sam from shields on the show and shields i mean speaking of making returns recently i say recently it's about four months ago made a return with a song called bury me which bury me bury me bury
1: st edmund's
0: which this goes hard tell you what that was a crisp drum film very crisp like that was like sleep token-esque well, the reason yes. we've just been enjoying Bury Me by Shields, my friends, is because it is an honour to introduce live onto the John Mohan Show right now, one of the human beings responsible for putting together that song. Please welcome Sam from
2: Shields. Hello. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. How's it going, man? Yeah, not bad. I can't tell you how close so I just cut it.
0: I literally just joined the call <laughs> And you're like And
2: introducing
1: Oh no We, we were waiting Ready <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, we, we were waiting for you We were just enjoying The sounds of Bury Me Which came I'll out sing. Four months ago And how's that song Had a reception From a band perspective
2: I'm um, pretty cool man Like it was It's odd It's an odd one Because the intention Of what we wanted to do With Shields When we made that track And released it Is very different To where we're at now So it, it had a pretty Good reaction man Everyone who knew us Before was, was stoked We've made some new fans As well And um yeah, I mean, it, it's a weird one because that song is a very, like, I basically wrote the bulk of that song and then I collaborated on the lyrics with Joe. And what ended up happening was it, we kind of just made a song that we felt was just quintessentially us. We didn't really want specifically trying to push any boundaries. I just wanted to make a banger, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and that's what we tried to do. And, you know, it's all subjective. So if you disagree, you're wrong. I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> whatever. Your opinion yeah. is wrong. that was save it for the facebook comments that was like your sort of return song wasn't it because i i spoke to you briefly at burn it down which was your first show back and wasn't Mm. that the reason you reformed pretty much what was the reason sorry burn it down festival last year
2: yeah no that's true well remembered that that is that is true because we weren't really talking about bringing shields back but what happened was um the year before but the the burn the the burn it down festival that happened the year prior, I performed at that with my solo project Kubrick, and Joe, who is the vocalist, of Shields was playing guitar for me, and it just so happened that the other two members, Alex and and Larry, were also playing in our at home, and the four of us have all stayed in contact with old mates, but we hadn't all been in the same room together in like,
1: well, since the band broke
2: up, like five years wow. prior to that, and so it was a, a weird moment. So we all we got a picture together we ended up, I ended up just posting on Instagram cause it was just nice. And then off the back of that photo, we had like three show offers <laughs> and then, Amazing. and we had, we hadn't like announced we were coming back or even necessarily like fully <laughs> or been like, we're back. It, there was, that was just like, cause we were together, but off the back of that, we had promoters asking us if we were going to play gigs or, and then show offers started coming through. And one of those first show offers and the ones, the one that initially did catch our eye was burn it down. Cause we played it, um, Matt, who's the promoter of, um, who runs the festival, his first ever gig he ever put on was a Shields headline show. Oh, so he's a, he's, he, he's a mate, we go back. And so it just felt quite fitting. And we just thought at the time, like, well, fuck it. Like we're being offered a sick gig, great festival, great bands. We know it's going to kick ass. Like, why would we rob ourselves of the joy of playing another gig as Shields? And then that just kind of turned into me going, well, what if we released a song? And then that would make it more exciting. And then. We made the song and we did that and then we were getting all our shit together and rehearsing to play and we were like we're making all this effort and we're loving it why not let's actually let's actually do this again properly so it's not entirely clear to i think our fans and people in general that we're like back back um so we want to make that more clear as things go on um there'll be more for me to say about that about future plans as in the coming weeks but for now i would just want to say we are actually back and we are playing we are a full-time band and we're planning to hit the road and release music and everything um if that wasn't clear um and that going back to a question you had about um the reaction to bury me i think what a lot of people thought was like oh they've just put out a song that's cool like there's another shield song i don't think we quite nailed going hey we're actually like back and we're like a full-time band again but that's all right because we weren't even sure what we were doing at the time anyway whereas now we're a bit more like not a bit more, we're now one hundred percent like certain that this is something we wanna throw all our energy into again. Um it was a it was a necessary five years away from the band to know that as well, I think.
0: Hell yeah. What an answer, Sam. Because there's so much in there to, to dissect. I mean, firstly, like the wholesome nature of just someone from your past being the reason why you all came together again. And, <laughs> you know, reigniting that fire, the power of social media, posting a picture and all of a sudden, like, people being like, well, I'm guessing they're back together. So, like, let's not waste any time and put them back in a room. And, I mean, in terms of that first show at Burn It Down Fest, you know, being back on stage like with your boys after after all that time was there a particular moment or a particular song on that show that sticks out as like a reconnection moment where everyone's like fuck it we need to do this again
2: i mean by the time we played, but by, by, by the time we even um were at burn it down we were already pretty pumped like we didn't need any more convincing before we even got there um but when we were playing that show it was it was weird it did feel like we were dusting off the shields cobwebs again because we've all been busy and touring and playing in bands and and doing things and sessioning or or joining bands or whatever but you know it'd been a long time since we played these songs and it'd been a long time since we played them together and the only difference between our lineup then and now is we have a different drummer um alex did not our original drummer alex is married and has a house and has two wonderful kids and that's his priority so yeah. he 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 did not join us but the four of us were were very happy and i think for me I, we, had a, we have a song that we probably are going to be playing less and less live. But for me personally, we have a song called, but this feels worse, which is, it's a heavy song, but at the first two minutes is like just clean guitars and it's instrumental and has this big, dramatic, emotional metal drop. And it's just so much fun to play live, but it's not, it's weird with our fans. It's very popular, but with people who don't necessarily know us, they might not have heard of it, if that makes sense. Mm. But, um, I mean, whenever we play, I just feel hate live, we always, if anyone knows us they're singing it because <laughs> it's our it's the first song that made anyone pay attention to us um probably i just feel hate but this was worse would be like definitely like yeah we're back this is cool we're doing these songs again but you know it, it's weird because these songs are old and um we we are very keen to release new music and to be back in the stratosphere as like a modern band so Hell yeah that is i'm really looking forward to doing so it, it's odd because dude like I just feel hate particularly, man. I'm, I'm 29 now. I wrote that song when I was like 17, <laughs> so it's it's very odd to be playing it still. But it's cool. It, it it's, it's awesome that you know a, a something that I came up with in my mate's bedroom on like GarageBand or whatever or Logic Pro, like back in the day, like has like survived like a decade plus, and people still listen to it, and we're still able to play it, and it's still not on Spotify, which people will give us a hard time about. But we'll, <laughs> we'll do something about it. future, I promised. Um, so yeah, I don't even know what your question was. I just started talking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm here for it. Man. I'm absolutely here for it. And let's rewind back to "Bury Me," which you dropped four months ago. And like, what I love about that is the vocal style that you were bringing to it, especially like that falsetto top. Like, I really love the juxtaposition between like heavy riffs and when someone's got like a really pure falsetto going on. I mean, is that something that you've always had the capability to do? Is that something that you might like, really wanted to push and focus on having like that diverse range of sounds going on? With this new music
2: mm. i mean diversity in music is always exciting and i've always enjoyed pushing my own boundaries whether it's singing like the highest top note i possibly can by belting it or if i'm screaming on something because i do scream as well in shields like if how low or brutal can i get my or or emotional can i get my vocals to sound um and the, the five years between shields ending and coming back like i said i've i've, I've been busy and i've still been making music and touring and I started this solo project which is just sort of self-titled as Kubrick which is my surname and um, that I experimented a lot with my vocals and I sort of discovered the fun that is like sort of the sort of Michael Jackson-y falsetto range where you can Hell sing yeah. comfortably way higher than if you were to like belt it like in a typical metalcore chorus setting um, and I don't know if it was like specifically intentional like oh yeah I want to have loads of more falsetto stuff and the shield stuff, but just my style as an individual has developed and my range as a vocalist has grown and my capabilities are, are far superior now than they were when shields ended. So I think just naturally, like the different vocal styles I like to do have just worked their way into like my, let's say uh singing vernacular of like tools to pick from whether it's cause you know, it, if I'd sung that chorus all belting, it would have had a very different vibe to it. I mean, I think probably somewhere in the the corner of my subconscious of all the emo music I listened to, used to listen to as a teenager, there's probably like a lot of four out boy influence. Yeah, because that That's like, awesome. he used to, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I think he's called Patrick. Yeah, sing that,
1: Patrick, Patrick Stone.
2: yeah, yeah. He has big, powerful, belty vocals, but then isn't afraid to go. Oh, I like. He the top hits
1: top some band. of those those high notes. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <Docs can hear. laughs>
1: yeah. Man's on yeah. whistle tones.
2: Man's so, on something else. Man, he's crazy. He's <laughs> sick. But uh, but yeah, man, it was it was not like. I wasn't specifically like, yeah, I want to work more falsetto into this, it, it, it falsetto singing just worked its way into my arsenal, I would say in it yeah. just that way. That's the kind of way I think about it. I try not to think about writing songs in a way of like, oh, I want to make sure that this style's in there or that style's in there. Yeah. It's usually when I, whenever it comes to songwriting in general for me, I'm, I'm thinking like, what is the song I want to make? How do I want, how do I want people? you know like everyone's got a song or like a, an album or like a few songs that like they always go back to for nostalgia or like there's mm-hmm. a certain feeling it gave them and they want to yeah. listen to that song again because it sends them back to a certain time or anything like the intention of creating that feeling in your listener is kind of where i'm coming from as a song a lot a lot of the times like i want someone to listen to this and cry their eyes out or i want to listen to someone to listen to this and want to get off their sofa and just start pitting to no one do you know what i mean like that that's kind of how i think about it so when i'm adding different vocal styles into a song it's my thought process is like is this going to sound good is this going to serve the feeling is this going to serve the song is this intentional or is it accidental and that's kind of where my brain goes yeah. it, it, I'm, I'm less thinking about how is this going to be impressive and more hey how is this going to make like an absolute killer song do you know what i mean is mm. this does this work does it make sense
1: because i've always said that i'm like i don't care what genre the music is in as long as it makes me feel something whether that's anger i don't know sadness happy whatever it is if, if it makes me feel something i'm gonna like it and i think that's what we're seeing a lot more with heavy music now is the crossover of like bringing pop elements in or like r&b elements into metal and i think it's just like it's representative of like people what people listen to at home so it's not just like oh i'm a metal kid anymore I'm I'm this and mm. that. it's like i like a bit of everything
2: it, and it what's cool as well that man is that like metal bands are getting a lot more like experimental and will and, and there's a willingness for versatility in like composing and whether well, you know there's uh, we all we all have a good riff and a good breakdown and a good sing-along chorus but you know like fuck, like bad omens for example where yeah. like who everyone knows we're a straight up metalcore band and now they're like an american bring me do you know what i mean yeah. bring me the rise in perfect example <laughs> like this is their first ever ep and it's like bedroom trash deathcore and now they're like hyper reduced like metal pop insanity it's sick
0: and That's they've the got
2: all those and it's dope like it's it's super dope um
0: yeah <laughs> I I'm absolutely here for it, man. Like I've been the biggest fan of dance music for like at least ten years now, and I love seeing bands use stuff like synthesizers. And you know, there was a massive stigma surrounding like laptop bands, quote unquote, like especially sort of during the Warp Tour era, where it was like, oh, that's just a laptop band. Like everything's everything's just coming out of a laptop, and it's like, why did we? ever demonize that like why was that ever a bad thing that when a band play live they want something more sat in the mix that isn't just guitars drums and bass and vocals like they want that extra element of depth when people are seeing them live. especially for the first time at something like a warp tour which you know like bands like yourself like you rely on festivals like that you know like those festivals that will put your band on it's like yeah you don't get to have a, a great like sound check or anything like that it's usually just like a quick line mix is everything working is everything plugged in cool is the yeah. laptop working sick all right let's fucking go rip it i feel that i mean i have a slightly different opinion on that because i know
2: the laptop band thing like you're right like who most bands in and out of metal use backing tracks and laptops and stuff and it, you know it, it's there's so much well the thing is there's there's so much that like technology is now brought like live playing that is insane where where it's like for example i have like all my like uh, effects changes on my guitar programmed. Yeah. And I don't feel guilty about that because it just means I can focus on the two most impo- the three most important things, which is my visual performance, my guitar playing and my singing. I don't wanna be fucking around with the pedal. No one cares if I'm hitting the delay pedal <laughs> or off and the pitch change, like as long as it's happening. But I, I still very much maintain that I'm going to play my instrument. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And there's a lot of bands, not going to name any, any that I know of, but there are bands who everything's on the tracks except for the drums and the vocals.
0: Yeah, that's the issue yeah. that I, I do, I do yeah. draw the line there where yeah. it's like, hold on, are we still fucking doing our job here?
2: That's that's a laptop, or <laughs> yeah. like, and you know, hey man, like this is the thing. Like it, it, this is such an interesting conversation actually about this because it, like, I went to a Reading Festival, made me like. 2 or 3 years ago. Um I've been before that but that was the last time I went. And I remember being quite taken aback at the the dropping quality of like live performances. There were some astonishing bands as always um like like a uh, loath played who are great and loath do their thing but then you know there's also then like KSI on the main stage and who's that guy uh kid LeRoy who had that song Stay. Yeah and, I think I saw you know that these writing. these sort of like instantly famous artists through TikTok or whatever who then get thrown onto a huge stage and they've written a banger that's got like millions and millions and millions of plays. But then fuck me, like there's a guy standing behind a desk who's apparently doing something and then there's a vocalist who's singing along to the recording of himself and is sometimes doing the vocalist or just going like this and there's like no and he and but then the crowd don't care they just want to see the famous person on stage and i don't know there's this is such a subjective thing so there's no right answer to this but for me i just think that's really sad because it's kind of like it's kind of like how no one no one uh would um criticize vocalists for being not perfect like 40 40, 50 years ago before autotune existed but now the quality of everything's been raised there's a standard that needs to be met so for example I don't use autotune live but loads of bands in this scene do it's just it's just a fact maybe I'm smoke and mirrors has gone here it's not and I I have performed with autotune before when I was sessioning for a band because I was just hooked into their rig and that was a fun experience because it was kind of like it kind of feels like cheating, it's but then I also realised, for example, like you cannot be a crap vocalist and expect autotune to fix you live. You'll still be crap, yeah. and it'll still. Be, and then if you're crap, people will notice you using autotune because mm. it fixes you in a broken way. Whereas if you're singing really, really, really well and you're already a great singer, it's these gentle little nudges that tuck you into shape. And most most people won't notice. I find myself playing a game whenever I'm out with uh, friends of mine, like if we're at a gig or something. I'm always <laughs> if there's a band that sound like a bit too good if i have like a backstage pass or something i always try and like take a sneak peek at their rig or something like what's going on here but um yeah the laptop band thing man is interesting like i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with bands doing things to improve their sound but i think there's uh there's a line that doesn't yeah. even really need to be talked about in much detail where it's like uh
1: yeah you're not really nervous. i think it's it's fine if you have like say you've got a bit of guitar in the background that's just adding like ambience or whatever or atmosphere cool. but if you put in like your main guitar riff on the track yeah you know, i think that's a bit too far yeah it's a bit too much i
2: mean i would i wouldn't even go as so far to say that's too far <laughs> i mean i have we have a rhythm guitar on the track that's playing basically the same thing as me and then, or harmonies, or second parts, but I'm always yeah, playing. Yeah, But that's—it's it's
1: to beef up your sound, isn't it? Really.
2: Well, but it's—it's it's, it's because you know, if, if anyone who's watching this, who is in a band or plays music, who doesn't, who's just a fan, like most of the time you're listening to a metal song like in the studio version there's two guitars in your ears playing the same thing hand hard, hard left and right and that's just for like that stereo effect it sounds wide and massive and big and live if you want the same thing you replicate that by having two guitarists or one guitarist and the other guitar on the backing tracks the way i justify that is that the i play the hardest parts i play the most flashy parts i play the parts yeah. that need to be played live and if it was a fucking breakdown if i'm just going like dun 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 dun, like i'm still doing it yeah. and the other the, the other guitar part is also just a but just i call it ghost sam because it's just i've sat at my home and played it to click with the same guitar with the same amp sound so it's then you have this perfect stereo image and it's then i'm just in competition with myself yep. <laughs> to be as tight as myself basically um and that's my yeah shit. And that's, like, that's my think, favorite guess, shit. There's just a limit. There's a line. And I think also from artist to artist, it changes. Because if you're like a hyper produced, like pop artist, it makes sense that you can have more stuff on the tracks. But if you're like a punk band, if you're a punk band, you have a laptop, you're not a punk band. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it, it just depends,
0: yeah. Because I saw a video online recently, I wish I'd have saved it because it was from the RB genre. And like, it was either a manager or a producer talking to talent. And but from that genre, as you said, like the performance style is very much you show up either with a DJ or effectively with your set pre-mixed on a track, you plug it in, you press play, and you go over the top of it. And mm-hmm. this guy's basically saying, like, Why are your vocals? so high in the mix have harmonies on there sure but why is your lead vocal either on that mix in the first place or so high in it because it's like what am I now watching live because the moment that a vocalist steps out on stage and what they're singing is on that track as well you totally crush any live element and I'm the biggest advocate of auto-tune like I even love like the proper like overly saturated auto-tune like from like like the t-pain kind of era because I it's almost like an instrument when people manipulate it in that way
2: well, that's a creative decision. You're not hiding yeah. anything. Like mm. I, I, love that too. Like there's an artist I love called Breakance who utilises like okay. incredibly, incredibly heavy auto tune on some of his stuff. Um, but you know, auto tune is a is, is something that can be utilised. It's a tool, as, it? a yeah, creative tool. Just like you could add distortion to a screaming vocal or like a delay through Yeah, like no, we all know that the voice is not capable of producing yeah. delay. So like, <laughs> it's, and we don't, we don't have a question about that. But you know, if you're it's a bit like, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you two are into like gym culture at all, but like, you know, like the whole like, debate around dudes like who are like £260, like 260 pound, like jacked ass dudes or like 25 or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm natural when they're like taking steroids. And it's like, just be honest about the fact you're using steroids. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, and, and actually don't lie about it because it's, that's dangerous, but yeah. lying about it all is dangerous It's just annoying and misleading. That would, that's what annoys me when people like claim to be super fucking sick and tight and a great vocalist but there's either like a plethora of things going on, on the backing tracks and all they're running autotune it's like come on man <laughs> that's my opinion
1: anyway lip syncing like, you know, is steroids yeah
0: <laughs> lip syncing is the musical equivalent of taking tread <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah pretty much it's the music- it is pretty much <laughs> or like uh, maybe it's the musical equivalent of like taking way too much pre-workout or something. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, <laughs> or no, it's, it's the equivalent of like taking a gym selfie in good lighting. And yeah, then, yeah. Just like, trying
1: to pass it off as it's your own. Yeah,
0: just tuning, tuning it all up in post.
2: Yeah. literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, face swap and shit.
0: Oh, well, let's talk about your solo stuff. You've you've alluded to it a couple of times, like the Kubrick stuff. When did you want to start experimenting with different sounds and what did that project provide for you in the long run that's kind of supported how you are now providing music with Shields? Mm. Well, Kubrick was born out of the fact
2: that when Shields ended, I wasn't done with music, just my band had ended. So I just started writing tunes and for a project i was i'm not sure what this is i just started writing music and i was gonna start a new band and then i wasn't really sure and i was 24 when shields ended and i'm 29 now and that's not that big of an age gap but 24 is a lot closer to being a child than 29 is and i think i had a lot of ego around like wanting creative control at that point. And, um, I still like having my creative control, but now I really like enjoy and see the value in like making collaborative efforts when it comes to music. Like, but what I, what I got out of Kubrick is I still wanted to do music. I still wanted to tour, I still wanted to perform live. And I eventually decided that I was going to be a solo artist, um, and I decided to call myself Kubrick because it's just my name, simple enough. And um also I got en- I would get endless questions about my granddad and the moment I called I started referring myself as Kubrick the questions stopped I was like good. Um and so yeah I I I just seized the opportunity that like, this is a new project I can do what I want. I don't have to do metalcore and shields at that point really was just a metalcore band without We I I I'm 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 proud of our previous releases but it wouldn't be it would be wouldn't be It'd be an, it would be uh, an inflation to say that Shields' music was, whilst very good in my opinion, is me- is just metalcore. So I figured, why well, I have this scope now to explore other oh, music I like, and I love dance music, and I love uh, anything electronic if it sounds good, and I'm really into like Bruno Mars and Michael Jackson and Lorn and Blank Forms and Blank Banshee and and Vaporwave and all this weird stuff that isn't he- heavy. But I never lost my love of heavy music. I still wanted to have, you know, riffs that made you want to repeat the same 30 seconds over and over again, but I wanted to have other stuff. I wanted to just try and create my own take on genre. And I decided to do that by just making music I liked regardless of the genre. And I Hell figured yeah. as long as it was coming consistently from me, it would sound consistent with whatever Kubrick became. And so I did that and Kubrick was ongoing and I did a few, I told with very tomorrow and I, Legends at alaska and i played a f- cool few festivals and the project is dead but when shields came back around that time in my life i had a lot of personal stuff going on that was i'm still getting over it, to be honest <laughs> um but basically fubrick came came on the bit of the back burner anyway because of personal life circumstances and then this idea of shields coming back up and and because Shields was started by me and like one of my best friends in the entire world, who's the vocalist Joe known him since we were like 11, there was so much joy in making something with him and then with the other guys as well. And being with friends and I remember the importance of other people in my life. And so Kubrick kind of didn't end, but it just hasn't really had a lot of my intention because I've been focusing so hard on Shields. Um, but Kubrick isn't dead. I still want to do Kubrick stuff. I actually even have, I don't mind sharing this cause I've, no representation with kubrick other than a booking agent so i can say and do what i want with it but kubrick has got new music that i haven't released i've got like five or six songs worth for like an ep or something like that so my plan is at some point this year is to actually like finish that get it all recorded and mixed and then get it released and start playing shows again so that will happen um but shields has been at the forefront of my focus recently
0: so that's why that well, we will clip that as a fucking exclusive, bro. Thank you so much. Brand <laughs> yeah, new Cube Rick go. music coming in 2024. Let's fucking go!
2: It will happen. At least five songs, maybe more. We'll see. I'm not doing an album, yeah. But I've uploaded music I haven't released, and I just need to think about how do I how do I want that packaged? Yeah, out before I just did singles. I just did I I I'd, and then list bank of singles. I prepared and then just rolled them out. Um, and so I've sort of done a similar thing again, where I wrote loads, loads of music and then outside personal life circumstances made me sad. <laughs> and then I stopped doing all music for about six months and then shields. And here I am
1: basically. Damn. Is it true? You've also ghost, you're like a ghostwriter for some artists as well.
2: <laughs> that's true. Um, I have to think about who I'm actually allowed to mention though, because that would defeat <laughs> the episode. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah something- I
2: have. I've written, I, I, that's actually a good point. So, when i did the first shields album i'd never written an album before i'd only written the shields music at that point and that album took my well, first album life in exile probably took like the best part of two years just to write it took so long um and then i kind of got into ghostwriting quite quickly after Shields. actually before kubrick was even a sort of twinkle in my eye at that point i got into ghostwriting sort of by accident because um a friend of mine ba- a friend of mine called Christoph, is in a band called and is okay it was like hey i'm um, recording this band right now who, uh, i just after some like help writing, do you mind jumping in? And then I ended up writing like 15 songs for that band over like four years. Oh. And then through that and me posting about it, people sort of caught wind. And who can I talk about? Actually there was, okay. I can talk about one band because it's not a secret. A band I ghostwrite for is a band called spitting teeth who are basically slipknot on steroids. It's Sick. a lot of fun. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's it's 110 energy from start to finish of all seven of the songs i've done for them <laughs> that is very much i write the music for that and then joel the vocalist um it's usually his vision he goes i want a song like this and then i go off and do it and then he lays his vocals down and writes all the lyrics um before he gets sent off to mix but i, I, I do ghost write. it's not really as much all i can actually all i can talk about other than that is just <laughs> hey if you want your tunes to be better than you're capable of come to me um <laughs> but i that's advertise myself because we'll clip does.
0: that for a cv as well bro because yep. like do it
2: because I, I can't say more than that because like i, I would well put it this way if you want to know who i've worked for and you're interested in my ghostwriting hit me up and i'll tell you in private okay that, that i'm allowed
0: okay
2: um,
1: we're not saying I, that you're right for bring me
2: or- <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so interesting, though, because, like, especially like given the conversation that we were having earlier, like regarding production, I mean, ghostwriting is something that I feel like isn't talked about necessarily as much as it occurs. Because of the fact that a lot of bands don't like people knowing that, hey, maybe we've had some assistance. And We had Stephen Battelle from Lost Alone on this show last year, and he co-wrote the new McFly album. And he was very open and forthcoming about that. McFly obviously owned it when Lost Alone went out and you know, took Stephen on tours, coming out on stage and playing songs with them. But I mean, like, as, an, as someone with as much musical integrity as you, like, how... How do you feel about being a ghostwriter? Like n- like writing a banger, writing an anthem, but then having to almost stay quiet about it and no one really knowing it's your work or something that you help make? Well, who's to
2: say I'm giving out the best stuff? Um, oh, like, there he <laughs> is.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, it's
2: it, it's a weird one, man, because the ghostwriting stuff, like I'm never going to be as personally attached and emotionally Involved with the stuff I ghostwrite than I ever could be for the stuff that I write for Shields or Kubrick mm. or any band that I'm a part of for that matter. Um, so I'm not gonna lie, bro. Ghostwriting is easy because it's 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 so different. Like when you're writing, if either of you two are creative in any way and have like been in a band and made music, I know you're a DJ, John Mahone, um, but I it, it, it's. If you've ever created something that is like for you, that you want to put out under your name, it means so much more than anything else you could be involved in for someone else. And I've actually found when I'm writing for other people, I I get out of my way. I can write a song for someone in two days at most. Yeah. It does does not take me long. But then you know, I'm I'm I don't want to leave out the fact that if you know, imaginary client goes, hey, um oh, we've got a deadline to finish our album before recording in like two weeks. We're struggling with like one more song. Um, but we want to make something that's like really upbeat. We want it to sound like Architects, but we don't want the guitars to be super dropped low. Um, we don't really bother about tempo. Keep it in this tuning. Um, we'd love there to be a banging chorus. And if it could end with a breakdown, that would be sweet. I'm like, cool, done. Like yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and sometimes bands throw me, you know, they'll go, oh, we want a song like this. I've had like Polaris thrown at me or like Suicide Silence or like Harm's Way, Bad Omens, Day Seeker, fucking... Metallica actually one one person hit me up with and <laughs> and like although you know so it depends but then you know I've I've built up pretty good relationships with the people I write with like regularly and now it's a case of like hey we need another song and I'm just I just thought it out
0: they'll go I'll be like
2: heavy or heavy or not heavy heavy sad or upbeat sad and it was like okay cool there's like a bit it's of a like thing, guess but,
0: who for bangers <laughs>
2: yeah yeah exactly but you know I also think that you know I what I provide is the the skeleton well uh, uh, the i provide the skeleton and the muscle and the veins for a song but not the skin and what really like you know drives a, a song home especially in metal which is generally what i go straight like sort of metal alternative music um and a little bit of pop actually as well um but but it, it, it's the vocals you know like if you took yeah. a shield song and put aaron Matts on it it wouldn't sound like shields It'd sound like a completely different band like the vocalist of our band joe has such a unique sounding voice i personally think the only person who sounds like joe is joe whether you think he's got the most like brutal or sure scream or not it's besides the point like you know there's 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 room for that and metal like oh how impressive can your vocals be but then individuality to me is way more interesting emotion emotion behind a performance is more interesting whereas like hey how low can you go is fun for like one breakdown yeah to me um, so when it comes to, you know, ghostwriting, like the identity of a band is important, and it relies a lot on the vocalist. Ultimately, I do write top lines and vocals for bands if they want, but generally, like bands will come to me and they'll like they need a song and they'll do the vocals themselves. Which I don't, mi- I don't mind being hands off in that process because also if I write vocals, it's going to sound like Shields or Kubrick, or people are going to have an inkling. Like yeah, I've had that before had people approach me who, who are sort of in the know about what i do or no bands that we all like and they'll go did you write that and i have to be like Shut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no no <laughs> <laughs>
2: but um so yeah like i the vocals that i think especially in metal mm. makes such a huge difference to like band music i think so so you can and that is the first thing that i think a lot not everyone but i think most like fans rather than people like in bands themselves like the first thing they pay attention to to pay attention to is the vocal so that is a very crucial part but that's kind of like why i think my sort of formula as a ghostwriter works because i give people this you know here's all the bits now you do now you make the song yeah even though i am song i don't know it's it's a perspective thing and 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 that's kind of how i see it um there are i have i actually recently bought a song back of someone because i I wanted to release it yeah, because they—they uh, it was a song. It was a song I'd written for a band like four years ago. Um, not every song I gosh will will necessarily get released. Like that, fifteen songs I wrote for that first band I mentioned. I think ten of them got released, and then the other five, two of didn't get released, and three of they took some riffs from it, which is a bit naughty. Yeah. Uh, but I would only tried, started And I hadn't like put my uh, policy in place yeah. about like how to use it and stuff. But um, I'm nice. I'm relaxed. I'm you know I, I try and. I try and cater what I'm offering and how I can help bands to like what their needs are rather than be like, this is what I do if it doesn't fit fuck off. Cause then I, that's ridiculous. You know, it's a creative industry. So you've got to be creative. How you work with people, I guess.
0: Hell yeah. dude! It's so interesting hearing you talk about that. Cause yeah, like having someone so openly honest about the work that they do outside of their own bands is, is very rare. And especially like someone being able to talk about some of the projects that they've worked on in that detail. Like it's so fascinating. And one thing, I Actually, want, sorry, one thing I wanted to do was see if you remember what you were doing on the 22nd of April in 2016. <laughs> so specific. Do you remember
2: where you were? Oh, yeah, of course I do. Of course I do. Um, Shields played, we opened the borderline, for algorithm and you were you were the other uh, support actor.
0: <laughs> well, fucking remembered, bro. Yeah, I'm so stoked that you remember that because yeah, like I was I was putting together Pretender. I was like I was like I know for a fact that that was the bill that night. Yeah, yeah, dude. Well, I I also
2: remember that show for another reason as well because I I remember I I it was the start of like a bit of a health condition for me which it doesn't exist anymore where. We kicked into our first song. At the time, was a song called Jordan, and it's big, heavy song. And when it drops, we all like do like the thing where like our legs are together, and we're doing like the big like hinge the back headbang. <laughs> crabcore. <thing. caught. laughs> I, I we we look not even crabcore. You know, like the one where Just like the synchronized kind of, like, bangs, yeah. Like, yeah. Down. And I, we always like launched into that, and I always go really aggressive, and I threw myself into the song, <laughs> and then the head felt like it got split down down the middle oh. like my brain like something happened and i was like what the fuck and i like pulled back and i was still playing and the rest, of, I, I, I made it through the rest of the set i just didn't go as hard like that was weird and i remember i went to the gym the next day and i nearly passed out like five minutes on to like doing cardio and i was like what the fuck's wrong with me and it turns out i had mad high blood pressure like this boy i'd been living off i was like I don't know how old I was in 2016, and my math isn't that good, but I was, you know, living a fucking chicken cottage and like Diet Coke. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't lit. I was young and able to do what the fuck I wanted and not worry about like how I looked or like how I felt. But apparently my blood pressure was just mad crazy. And my, the doctor was like, you need to not eat salt for like three weeks because you're wow. about to be morbidly obese, apparently. And I wasn't even that fat. I was like, what? This is crazy. Um, and so that g- gig has stuck in my mind. It's like, like the time I nearly. Apparently
1: got diabetes or some shit. shit. <laughs> diabetes <laughs> from headband.
2: Yeah. <laughs> minus this. Um I uh Yeah, that, that yeah, that was a fun that was a
0: weird show actually, because and there was like no space on that stage for
1: Yeah, us. <laughs> yeah the tiny, yeah, isn't It's
0: it. such a ton, and like the algorithm obviously turns up with just sense, yeah. keyboards, like it was, yeah, there wasn't much space kicking around, but that was the the first time that I ever DJ'd as a support artist and it, I got to share the stage with you. So, yeah, it was an absolute honour that night and it was an absolute blast. And bring me the horizon, we're doing the Royal Albert Hall the same night, but I like to think we had more fucking fun that night.
2: Mm, now now I know why there was no one there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, there were people, it just wasn't crazy busy.
0: Yeah, there was There was still a strong algorithm representation in London that night. Well, Sam, just before we let you go, bro, like one of the reasons we do this show live is so that people can join and so that they can pass on their comments. And like a big part of like why we enjoy doing this is like you know, giving fans the opportunity to just like, either, like speak to people or pass comments on. And whilst I've been on chatting to you, Hayley appreciates the fact that you're back just saying back, back, fuck okay. yeah. Then you got... got- <laughs> legends. It's Drew's If saying Sam Kubrick is the goddamn goat baby. Yeah.
2: you do you not know who Drewze if is? Dovey. Oh so. bro, Dref is we? like oh Drewze <laughs> is a uh sick like I don't know how to describe you, dude. He's in a band, but he's an amazing guitarist and he does like social content and like he, oh, I think he went on gay. that Nick Nocturnals like Metalcore Mansion thing recently.
0: He's sick Oh really. He's, big up Joseph, he's that, a legend yeah. holy shit well Joseph, if you ever want to come on this show you're always he's like welcome
2: internet metal royalty dude he's sick holy <laughs> big shit. Up, Drew.
0: let's go well, shout Drews out Joseph. <laughs> yeah if you ever want to come on you're more than welcome to our boy elliot got in touch to say joe has a fantastic voice especially when listening to his old and his new songs the maturity is fucking amazing
2: legend thank you man i mean he's not here to thank you but i'll thank you on his behalf
0: <laughs> and Ray's says sam's a great dude and amazing performance and vocalist definitely Kubrick highlight was seeing you on stage with novelist in southampton
2: oh damn that was one of my favorite shows i've ever played appreciate you whoever that was
0: holy shit well before we let you go dude i know you mentioned earlier on the show new kubrick music coming this year probably in the form of an ep where is shield sat at the moment in terms of churning out some new stuff
3: um <laughs> uh,
0: it's it's uh, it's happening
2: that's all i feel like i'll be allowed to say without getting trouble from my label <laughs> Fantastic.
1: it's but happening it's coming
2: i will say this we are actively pursuing um a new release
0: that's all i can say hell yeah well yeah. watch shield space my friends new music hopefully in 2024 but sam honestly we cannot thank you enough for your time and as soon as a new, ch- new tune new chain drops and you want to come on here and talk about it we'll promo impress you all that all that we can just to help support Best, it.
2: thank you for having me appreciate it boys
0: hell yeah well my friends show a lot of love and appreciation for sam from shields <laughs> Woo! Woo! Yeah. appreciation cheers bro thank you man take care legends oh hell yeah hell yeah great first great first interview of the day well my friends that is it for our one of today's show coming up inside our two we will be joined by chris from the ghost inside from the
1: spookiness within the
0: spookiness (laughs) within a quarter past should i say that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah Yeah. Joseph, great to meet you if you ever want to come on this show like you're always more than welcome to do so i would love to chat to you yeah yeah send a zoom link yeah yeah get, <laughs> Jump us, get us on instagram <laughs> Anytime let's, you want. Let, let's let's connect and let's stay in touch but yeah my friends that is it for hour one don't go anywhere the first thing we're going to do kicking off hour two we're going to break down this download festival lineup and then quarter past eight we've got chris from the ghost inside on the show hell yeah fuck yeah in a bit yes my friends
1: and welcome back to the john mahon show
0: powered by forever loud
1: powered by forever loud breaking almost breaking news
0: yeah, breaking-ish <laughs> news. I mean, this is as fresh as news can get as regards Hot to this off show. the
1: press. Yeah. Download Festival. Yep. I've announced a bunch. Um, do you know how many?
0: I was trying to find an article somewhere. Gone are the days where news outlets used to just tell you how many names and give you a list. Because
1: you want to get it out as soon as possible, Yeah. It?
0: But you, you'd have
1: thought that there'd have been... But anyway, we're, we're going to go through it and figure out who's been added
0: (laughs) yeah we'll try and figure out the new additions but download festival 2024 is looking like this holy shit that main stage holy smoke well fresh out the gate what i'm gonna say the name that sticks out to me is a guest that joined us on the first ever episode of the john mohan Mahons- struts no 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 way <laughs> off on the first ever episode of the show we were joined by ral reynolds from Enter shikari who are third from top on the main stage sitting very nicely between the baby metal and the offspring
1: i was saying this before the show that's a very fun stage yeah it is that's some good vibes
0: yeah like baby metal into shikari into the offspring into fallout boy on a saturday night at Donington.
1: hope the baby metal curse (laughs) do you remember the last time baby metal played the main stage i don't know if was the last time but when i i remember seeing them 2016 and as soon as they started playing the heavens opened and it was the worst it was like that proper when it like flooded everywhere so let's hope Baby Metal do fingers it. crossed
0: because yeah that choreography in the rain. is Well, this
1: that's the thing because they had to they started playing and then they had to go off stage. Dry well, the stage. Why people wipe the stage?
0: Yeah, the other name. That sticks out to me <coughs> on that main stage is a band that i actually got to see at blue ridge festival last year they were a last minute addition to the festival they only had half an hour i think it was in support of the fact they had a brand new album coming out but blackstone cherry
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: get them up get them get them up high now we're gonna go from side to side front to back back to front front <laughs> to back here we go here we go <laughs> oh. Oh. what does that even mean yeah catch me throwing shapes to I, white no, trash millionaire
1: I, I love blackstone cherry Same man there's so much fucking fun like just that southern southern rock metal guitar riffs because they're, they're all sort of like where are they from Tennessee? kentucky kentucky Tennessee? Yeah. yeah so they're all like they've got the their roots in like country and shit but then they put distorted guitars on there unfuck withable his voice is just the most american voice
0: yeah, I a hundred percent. I love it. Is it that his name isn't John Fred? John Fred's the drummer. John Fred's the drummer. Yeah. Yeah, which is the most American name as well. John old.
1: Fred. John, my name's John Fred. My Sorry. daddy's name was John Fred. Sorry if
0: that's offensive. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to spot some of the other new names on, well, on the main stage. The Struts are new. The Struts are definitely new. Frank, you, Frank Carter. Frank Carter's a new one. I'll tell you who's new on there as well. Code Orange.
1: Code Orange are uh, so good live yeah. i saw them at loud loud and life they clashed with weezer <laughs> which was a bit bad for them but they i went i cuz obviously weezer's like a good like upbeat fun yeah but then i was like i'm in i'm in the mood for some riffs so i turned around went to the code orange stage and it was fucking chaos just like insane balls of death oh man like that their stage presence is so good unbelievable uh, and them on the main stage would be fucking sick
0: yeah like, It's a great band although to be fair the fact that it goes from code orange to bowling for soup is quite the juxtaposition and i'm into it i'm absolutely into it and <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah it sort of starts off heavy and then it's like you go pop punky let's go 2000s pop punk baby. yeah
0: it's it isn't like to be fair the way they've structured that sunday it's a nice little run in nostalgia soup into some 41 into biscuit into sevenfold
1: yeah that that's another fun day <laughs> sunday, sunday fun day, fun day.
0: right some 41 let's maybe. let's take a little look see at what the second stage is saying so who's sticking out to you on here ollie we got
1: who's added been added tomorello electrical boy on a big stage as well. On a big well. stage, because last year... They, they
0: were on the Avalanche stage. And... There was not a chance.
1: Nah. I missed it because I was to drive somewhere. But um, wasn't it like pouring out of the tent? Yeah, you
0: couldn't. You do. It, like, I didn't think I even tried to... Uh, to be fair, I saw Electric Cowboy a few times last year, but I didn't even try uh, at Download. They clashed with someone as well. There was a, there was a big clash on that day between Electric Cowboy uh, and someone else. Yeah. I can't remember who I went for. I want to say maybe like
1: I Prevailed. But I think they're one of those bands that probably got booked... Before Before they blew up. Before they blew up as much as they did. Yeah. So it's great to see them getting huge second stages. I'm a a fan when festivals (laughs) invite a band back for the next year. Yeah. Because it doesn't happen that often, especially the big ones.
0: Yeah. No, it's like, here's a rate of progression. Like, it's great to see a band going from, yeah, Avalanche stage, middle of the day to, you know, three from top on the second stage. Big fan of the Fat Machine had a headline in that stage on the Sunday night as well. Yeah. Like... If it's a choice between Avenged Sevenfold and Machine Head, I'm 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 going Let Machine Head.
1: Rain with a shotgun blast. Oh my God! They, I- ne- they never really clash, though, do they? The two headliners. Mm. They always the, the second one is always a bit uh, starts a bit earlier. But then that would mean limb biscuit and Machine Head clash. I can't see that happening. I can see that happening. Can you?
0: Yeah. What else have we got on the opus stage that's recently been added? Scene Queen was part of the initial announcement. Well, Harriet,
1: part of uh, the... Mice and Men have been added. I saw them last year.
0: They have. You forget how good they are. Of Mice and Men. Like how yeah. many bangers they've got. Yeah. Like Second Severin. Like a, Um, Bones Exposed. Remember that? Bones Exposed. Ouch. Big tune. I've just realised we haven't cropped that exactly what well. It should have been a little bit there, but anyway, let's move on to the third stage because this is probably where this is where the shit gets real.
1: This is where the comment sections are going to kick <laughs> off. I, I when I get after the show, I'm going to go straight on. Yeah, download <laughs> Facebook page just to see the busted. Yeah, hint. like because I'm a fat, like I'm not the biggest busted fan, admittedly. But it doesn't annoy me that they've been added, dude. Busted are
0: the reason why I'm fucking here that's, doing that's shit the like thing. this. That's thing people
1: forget that a lot of people's gateway into rock music, yeah, is free bands like Busted. Yeah, McFly. me,
0: I'm 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 a walking, talking example of yeah. that. Like it was Busted's live album. That was what you
1: went to school for. Yeah, <laughs> in the year three thousand.
0: <laughs> oh, but yeah, that comment section for Busted is going to be hilarious is is and just before Busted
1: yeah you know Wheatus
0: yeah like so I, I tweeted this earlier when Vokovie put up their announcement saying that they were doing this I replied to that tweet saying catch me dropping spin kicks during Creepy crying during Teenage Dirtbag and then Tuck Jumps during Air Hostess <laughs> <laughs> like what a Friday night that is
1: yeah shame Iron Maiden went playing because then we could have two tickets to Iron Maiden <laughs> There he is, and do you know what we were talking about. Come with me Friday because they're playing Friday.
0: Yeah, don't say maybe. <laughs> Whoever put us on the Friday night just for that deserves <laughs> a raise and a firm handshake. Yeah, because Escape the Fate being just below the we were saying before we went on, that's huge for the because you know Escape the Fate, very decently sized band. Yeah, it's so a huge booking for the Like if you're a fan of analysing the structure in which bands run on festivals
1: and like i feel but i feel like they've they've deserved it for a while now
0: well my friends we're going to have to pause reacting to our download festival alignment for 2024 because joining us right now is a man who's actually played download festival in the last couple of years they were on the avalanche stage not last year the year before i want to say yes uh years are all merging doing. into one welcome <laughs> to the show the guitarist the ghost inside our boy
3: chris <clears throat> What's up? How's it going, guys? Oh, how's Good, it
1: going, you. bro? You're you sounding crisp. I like it when people oh, have pro- proper mics.
3: <laughs> I uh, I'm a little bit of an audio nerd. Yeah. If I'm being honest,
1: <laughs> you sound amazing.
3: We could get used to this kind of treatment. <laughs> you guys, you guys need to just start forcing people to have a proper setup. The, That's what the thing. issue is. Here. We've
1: we've interviewed some people that are in their studios or their roo- like music rooms, but they're just using the well, iphone iphone yeah yeah earbuds or whatever it
3: is what's the point of having all
0: the toys I if know. you're not going to use them you yeah. know chris takes too much pride in his job exactly <laughs> well dude it is an on, an honor to have you on the show thank you ever so much for your time how's life been at the moment what have you been up to
3: it's been great uh i've not been up to a lot actually we've been off for a for a little bit now we finished a uh a summer co-headline tour with Under Oath in North America last August. And, uh, and we've pretty much been off since then. Uh, we, we played a couple shows. Like we were one of the only bands that got to play the, uh, legendary yet also dreaded, uh, Blue Ridge Rock Fest in Virginia. We played about an hour before all hell broke loose and the whole thing got canceled. So that was cool. And then we did, uh, we started this annual, uh, festival show thing that we call the rebirth day bash. We do it around the anniversary of our uh, accident every November. So we played that this November or this past November in San Diego in California. And other than that, we've just been off. Um, we, we uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of a scoop here. Ooh, uh, nice. We, when we finished the under Oath tour, we went immediately into recording our new record so that, you know, that, that took a lot of time and we've been kind of working on, uh, you know, what the rollout process of that will look like. So that's been consuming the majority of our time that we've been home. You know, last year we we toured more than we had since we have been active again, you know, post accident. So uh, we decided to take some time off, chill out a little bit, let our bodies rehab because, you know, we're on top of being in an accident. We're all getting old and fat at this point. So <laughs> uh, we figured what better time to work on a record than, you know, then. So that that's kind of where we're at
0: holy shit well there is so much to unpack in that opening statement we'll get to blue ridge festival in a second but let's let's start there with the new music because your latest offering death grip man what a fucking banger that is
3: thank you thank you yeah we're we're pretty stoked on that one uh we actually thought that there was going to be a different song that would come out in at the time that death Grip" came out uh and and uh some of the guys went and did a writing session like right like immediately after the Under Earth tour uh finished and that was the first song that came out of that session and we all immediately kind of went like oh yeah this is this is the one this one has to come next
0: hell yeah and i mean like if if you love the ghost inside this is everything that you love about what your band does best i mean like the guitar tones like in the verses like the speed of the song like the way it changes and punches at just the right point like the breakdown like what's the atmosphere like when you're in the studio and you just feel everyone firing on all cylinders
3: so this one was actually a little bit different than how it it typically is like you know back in the day in the the beginning of the band which i wasn't there for but i've i've asked a a ton of questions (laughs) about because you know i i got to come into this band as a fan so i wanted to know all the things that your average fan would want to know like who wrote this part? What was it like making this record? What was that producer like? You know, like I asked all those questions. And so, you know, I, in the beginning of the band, it was the typical bandway pre digital age. You know, that was the very beginning of the digital age where you could re- write a song by yourself in your bedroom on a laptop and send it to your bandmates, you know? So a lot of the earlier stuff was written with Aaron, uh, our old guitar player and the, our drummer just sitting in a room writing together. And this was the first time where, uh, we worked with multiple producers, so Damn. we, yes, so we worked with Dan Bronstein. We worked with, um, uh, Tyler Smith who does like, uh, falling in reverse and, uh, I prevail and like we, so we, we spread out, we, we worked with a ton of people. So that was different for us. Normally we pick a producer, we just go and it starts to finish one person. Um, so it honestly, this time it was like all about creativity, like Let's just not put any. Uh, let's not put any guardrails on what we're doing here. Let's just have fun and explore and see where it ends up. And I actually think that, like you mentioned, that Death Grip. If you like like the Ghost Inside, it's got kind of everything that we do. And I agree with that. It kind of covers all the bases. It goes from like stupid heavy kind of in, in Neanderthal knuckle dragger heavy stuff, but also has like the the like the melodic guitar lines and like the punk beats and stuff. But I also feel like it has an element of like freshness to it, where it feels a bit more modern than some of the last, uh, records did where, uh, we kind of like trying to push the boundaries in all directions. We, and this is like such a cliche thing. I feel like every band in our genre says (laughs) it, but like, we want the heavy stuff to be heavier. We want the melodic stuff to be more melodic. And like, we're just, we're tired of doing the same thing. So we're trying to figure out how to like sound like our band, but also like do it in a newer, fresher way, if that makes sense.
1: So is, is Death Grip off this new uh, session you've been doing for the re- new album? Or
3: yeah, I, th- yes, it will be on the record, yeah. um, um, on. both that and earn it. And I, I, there will be more that, uh, can be talked about sooner rather than later. <laughs> Hell um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, both songs uh, that we released last year will be a part of the record
0: that's amazing well
3: we won't push you too much No, we don't we don't
0: want to get you into any trouble we just need (laughs) you to know that like the sounds that you are churning out at the moment like it is so fresh and like and like when i first heard death grip it almost and like, don't, please don't take offense to this. It almost felt like, like a commercial version of your band, like so accessible. Sure. Like, you know how like heavy music is having such a resurgence at the moment with, you know, your bad omen, sleep tokens, bring with the horizons. Like you guys are still very much on the heavier end of that scale. Sure. But for the people who maybe are just finding this genre in this way of life, like it feels like the most accessible song that you've written.
3: Uh... I could, I could maybe see that. I feel like maybe "Earn It," the other song we put out last year, was maybe a little bit more accessible unintentionally. Uh, but that's that was part of this whole like, let's not put rules on it. You know, like I feel like when we did the self-titled record, uh, the our first record after the accident, it felt very much like we had these boundaries we had to stick in because we had a very defined vision of like what the quote-unquote comeback record should be that like, I think we sold ourselves short in in a few ways, as far as exploring creatively and like trying new things that I think we wanted to try that maybe we were a little too scared to try. Uh, and and I think that, uh, yeah, it's maybe not intentionally more accessible, but I think that we're just, we're willing to like hear out an idea and if it's good, we just use it, you know? And I think that we've gotten to the point now where, um, you know, Obviously, anybody in a band wants people to enjoy the music they're making, but I think first and foremost is we're just writing stuff that we're excited about, and if we're excited about it, we're just putting it out. You know, uh, there there may be stuff we put out that people don't love, and that's okay with me because we like I've never been more proud of a collection of of songs that I've been a part of ever in my entire life, and that's what's important to me. So. You know, we'll see what happens from there. But as far as like the song, I like I love uh, what what we did with this record.
1: So we we were just talking about this before, about music sort of has to evoke a feeling. Now it's like when you're writing, do you do you think about the feeling more than you do like what genre it is or what style of music it is? As long as it makes it you feel something, that's probably the most important part, I think
3: yeah. I mean, especially especially being in a band, this band's been around for a long time now. And all of us played in bands before we joined this band. Like, you know, Vigil is our singers the only original member left. And the band he's like kind of collected members over the years from other <laughs> bands that he's toured with, you know? And uh, so all of us have been doing we've we've all been doing this for a really long time. And at this point, we're just looking for something that like makes us excited you know, like it, it, we have to be excited. We're the ones that have to go play the songs every day for months at a time and be away from home. So first and foremost, like the five of us have to like vibe off of it and get excited about it. And I just hope that, and I feel like if you do that in a genuine way, fans can relate to that and they can feel that and they tend to vibe with it also, but so it's gotta be genuine, but you have to be excited about it. You know, it's so it's, it's a really fine line I feel like, but it's, I think that when it's genuine everyone in the band or everyone in the room immediately knows that like you're on to something and follow that path
0: hell yeah and for me dude like the self-titled record like post accident is one of the most genuine bits of music not just i've heard from you but from any band periods like from what you guys went through as you mentioned with the accident through to writing that record and more often than not band self-title an album because that is the record that they want to be associated with their band name is one of their most proudest bits of work. Was that the feeling when you left the studio? It's like, we have to call this album The Ghost Inside.
3: Well, actually, uh, Jam, our bass player, he pitched the concept of self titled before we even got I into the studio to start tracking. We we had probably 75 to 80% of the music and lyrics for the record written already, uh, but we hadn't actually sat down with, with Will Putney and Jerry McKinnon to like kind of sort through stuff. Uh, and the record, for sure, like, shifted from there. But we kind of went in with the mindset of like, this is this is what our band does. This is what our band sounds like. This is the story of our band. I mean, ultimately, we went in not wanting to write a record about the accident, you know, like, it's a huge part of our story, but we didn't want to like solidify ourselves as like the accident band or yeah. whatever. But naturally, you know, when you're writing from a sincere place, which Vigil does, um, and the the general theme of the band, which tends to be these like perseverance, I will overcome uplifting things, like naturally a lot of it ended up being about the accident. So we, we really like, like I said in a way uh, earlier about how we like had these guardrails up about how we like maybe didn't try some stuff we wanted to, like we kind of just stuck to what the band did on that record musically speaking. And then the topic of like overcoming all of the hardships that led up to, you know, four years into making that record, uh, it just kind of felt like it was the band sound we were, I feel, feel like doing it better than ever. And, uh, our story like through and through. So it just like, it's weird that he, pitched the concept of self-titling the record before we got to that point but it ended up just fitting so well with the overall lyrical concept of the entire record when it wrapped up in the end it was like this weird serendipitous like the universe was speaking to him it was like this is what you have to do and it just worked out perfectly
0: ah i love that so much because yeah like not just listening to that record, but when you see that record live, especially tunes like 1333, man, where you, know, you got Virgil screaming from the ashes brought back to life just before that breakdown, like drop kicks you around the face. Like, how much like melodic aggression came naturally during that? Because some of the tones of your guitars and like the breakdowns, dude, like you can feel, physically feel the weight of them when they're inside your head.
3: Oh, yeah, so i'm I'm gonna have to give like I'm gonna have to give a lot of credit to will Putney, our our producer for that yeah. record. I mean, that's just like that's just his style. And uh, you know, the band had worked with Andrew Wade and Jeremy McKinnon for the previous two records. and um and so when we, it came time to do this record, it was like, okay, maybe it's time to like venture outside of that and see who else we could potentially work with. And uh, we had a call with a couple different producers. And, uh, and we got on the phone with will and it was immediately like this guy understands our band. He understands what we're trying to go for. And like, yeah, a lot of that came pouring out of us because we had a lot to unload after, you know, three years of some of the most mentally and physically agonizing uh, experiences you could ever imagine. Um, but will is just, will is a like a top tier guy for trying to capture like that kind of raw emotion in a way that still sounds cohesive, but yet also raw and pummeling. I don't know. It's so I got to give a ton of credit to will on that. Like that's just, he, he captured everything we could have ever asked him to, and more he's just a, he's a pro.
1: Yeah. Will's probably one of my favorite producers. I mean, all the, every time I die records straight from the path, just like the sound he gets from those bands. I'm sure, I think I, I saw him saying like. They do every i don't know if it's the same with you but they record every song like part by part because he wants to get the best performance of that part
3: Yep. Yep. it's he's got a very specific formula and and it just works for him i had worked with him in 2012 with my previous band texas in july and it was the same thing i was like i i knew going into having the call with him about doing our record i was like i already know he's the guy but he needs to talk to everyone and get him on the same page because i had the same experience in with him in 2012 was like, this guy is just, he, he understand, first of all, he just understands the genre as a whole, right? Um, he, he gets, he gets all of it. And so I just, I knew like I've, I've watched him work with my band. I, I basically have loved every record he's ever touched in any way. It's like, I just, I knew he was the guy. He, he literally doesn't put out a bad record ever. It's crazy.
0: And that's what I love about you, bro, is you're such a music nerd. Like, like hearing you at the start of this interview saying, you know, when you joined the Ghost Inside, like you were already like sat there and like, all right, I need to know this and I need to know this and I need to know this. Like at what point in like your musical journey, like through making bands and stuff like that, did it click where like you became just an obsessive over so many these like interesting micro details about the music making process?
3: Um, I think that started pretty early early. Um, I always, so I got into music really young. Uh, in fact, I, I remember hearing like Metallica's black on for the first time when I was like two years old and it, ch- it literally <laughs> changed my life forever. Um, but I would like seek out like Metallica put out that year and a half of the life of Metallica documentary thing. And I watched that probably a hundred times as a, as a, early teens through my teenage years and stuff. And, uh, I've seen every, any behind the scenes documentary bands ever put out. Like I've, I've watched it and probably watched it multiple times. Um, I just love watching the pieces come together, whether that's like from a business end of things, whether it's from a logistical end of things, whether it's in the studio, uh, I just love watching it all get built from the ground up. Um. So the first time I recorded with my old, old, old local band before anybody had it. And hopefully nobody ever goes and digs any of that stuff up. Don't, <laughs> so don't bother listening. What was the band name again? It. What was, what was don't the band worry, name again? We're, we're not going to go into that. We're not going to go into that. <laughs> was it
1: the old, the old MySpace days?
3: <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not dig any of that stuff up. But uh, from the first time I recorded with that band, I just became obsessed with watching. Like I had all these songs that I built in my head and we have played in our practice room but watching them all go into the computer and get built track on top of track on top of track, all the way to the finished product made me obsessed with that entire process. So then I went down the rabbit hole of finding out like who made all of my favorite records, who did what on those records and that, and then, so I like have a Rolodex in my head of like Sick. all of like the guys who made every record that I have ever loved in my entire life. Um, and I get, you know, the same way that some people get about like, you know, and I would get this way about, but like, you know, say James Hetfield walked into a room and, and everybody would be freaking out. Like, you know, Chris Lord, algae walks into a room yeah. like one of the biggest mixer uh, mixers of all time. I would be freaking out the same way because like I, he has been a huge part of like making my favorite records and my favorite music sound the way that it does. And that to me is just as important. I love that stuff. Um, so it started early on for me. And like I said, it started with just the behind the scenes documentary stuff uh and then it was like watching records get made it's like that that to me is like the on those those people who do that stuff they're the unsung heroes of this stuff everybody idolizes the bands but it's like sometimes without that producer and that engineer and that mix engineer like that music you love doesn't turn out the way you you want it to so to me i think that those guys are the real rock stars in my opinion
0: oh dude a hundred percent and that's ollie's side of the coin massively like he is our yeah. our resident production nerd just
1: opened to well building my own studio at the moment but uh, sick it's in yeah it, uh, sort of almost ready to open <laughs> but it's it's one of those when once you should get into it it's like a rabbit hole that you never get out of it's just oh. like so much information just to pull and equipment
3: from. as well it's like equipment, yeah this room i'm in right now so my wife and i bought our house in november of 2019 right before everything shut down damn okay and i turned my garage which is what i'm in right now into my studio yeah it was supposed to be a three-week process. Because <laughs> of COVID, it took nearly four months and way more money than it was supposed to. Oh, so trust me, I get it. <laughs> I get it.
1: Just like when you put your speakers and you're like, "Oh, I need to deaden the walls. I need to get some some bass traps and all that." It's just like oh, yeah. there's always just stuff that you need to add. It's getting, Oh yeah. yeah. It's it's one of those, but it's exciting. Do you do a lot of producing then at home
3: or like? So I used to do more uh, last year. I kind of took the majority of the year off because we were just so busy. So I like I'm married. I have two kids. And when when we got in the accident, I was just engaged. Like we weren't even married yet. We didn't have any kids. It was it was really different for me back then. Um, And now getting back into touring, married, two kids, owning a home like I, I kind of have to shift my priorities when I'm home. You know, like I, I have to be a dad and a husband first. Uh, so last year with how much we were touring, I was just like, I, I, when I'm home, I just have to be present and be home. Um, but I have been picking up some stuff for this year. Uh, you know, our year starts to ramp up a little bit later this year than, than it did last year. So I'm doing some projects at the beginning of this year, but yes, to answer your question after the accident, like all I was doing until our return to playing shows was basically producing bands. So, Damn.
0: Let's yeah. go. Well, we mentioned this slightly earlier on in the interview and I don't want to forget about it. Blue Ridge festival. <laughs> well, Cause John was there. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was, I was there. We would, the day that you played, we were trying to meet up for a beer that day. Cause
3: <laughs> why didn't you message me?
0: I'm, I'm, I'm 90% sure I did. Did I not? Or was it download? <laughs> I don't fest- think you did. Cause did I, I would
3: have come and found you.
0: Fuck. Or was it download festival? we were trying to meet up for a bit. There was, yeah, oh, I, th-
3: I think it was download. We were trying to
0: meet up download. For a beer, yeah. Right. Then yeah, then Blue Ridge is on me, but you were actually one of the few bands that got to perform at Blue Ridge Festival. And as a punter, because I like, I didn't go working or doing interviews or any of that shit. I went because that lineup was fucking stupid. You went I was, to
1: enjoy a four-day festival.
0: Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll fly out to America for a, for a nice little festival. Go go and see one of the biggest festivals in North America. See what it's got to offer. And boy, was was it an experience? I mean, from your side of the fence as a performer, when like obviously you actually got to do your set but like what was it like that day for you like i can imagine it was hard
3: yeah, yeah. so i i want to be as fair about this as i can because i don't know all of the details about what really went south um our day for the most part was fairly easy and we did get to play and we had a great time like we had a really great set um we had played in 2021 also and had a not awesome experience this time around was much better for us Damn. um but you know like we played in like an hour later all, all hell broke loose and like there was that terrible storm and they canceled the rest of the day but i will say things like uh like catering was not awesome like that i know that that's a thing that mm-hmm. has been out coming out in headlines and stuff about food not being great for people working the festival like i can tell you that like for all of the festivals that I've played, that is potentially the worst catering situation I've ever had in my entire life. And fire that- so like, like slabs of cheese and like bread, <laughs> not, not far off. Like <laughs> it, it was, it was bad. And that may sound like really pri- pri- uh, privileged of me to like complain about the free food I was getting that day. But it's, it's not even about me. It's like, if they're, if they're, uh, you know offering that to their artists that means they're doing even less for the crew who are making the festival happen and that and that's what makes me concerned is like yeah. i can i can go out and buy myself a meal if i have to the the people who are there from sun up to sun down like running the festival all day every day if it, if the artists are getting food that bad the crew's getting way worse and that's yeah. what bums me out
0: yeah man and it was something that uh, Tank the Tech, who was working with Electric Cowboy, like he covered the whole situation pretty much perfectly. And his biggest gripe seemed to be infrastructure based which you know, as a punter, there was a ton of in- infrastructure issues. I mean, like on that day where you played, like we didn't get into the festival until like later on in like the afternoon because it was like a two-hour wait for shuttle buses, two-hour wait for wristband exchanges, and like for me, from like the behind-the-scenes, one of the mo- the most worrying one was like the support that the ground staff were getting like as you said like the people who were responsible for making sure the actual festival operated like you know having like one forklift truck to drive production all around like a mountainous range it's like like you got to help these bands out
3: yep you know and it was the same thing in 2021 when we played um it was at a different location back then a much more remote location and there was one road in and out and uh that year we played third to last the It was us a day to remember then breaking Benjamin. Damn. And, uh, there were people still in line. We left during break of Benjamin set and there was still a line of cars, like Jeez. three or four miles long waiting to get into the festival because it was so ill organized. So like there were people who paid hundreds of dollars and didn't even get into the first day <laughs> to see to any of the band in
1: that car. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very expensive queue.
3: Yes. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I i have had small interactions with john sly the promoter of the festival Mm. and he's always been very kind to me Mm. um so i I, i'm like i'm trying to be really cautious because i don't know all of the details i know what's been published i've heard from other people who have had um like i've spoken to tank uh directly about that after watching his video and, and him and i have gotten really deep even about stuff that he didn't cover in his video oh, wow. about what, what him and the, the Eskimo call, or the electric cowboy guys uh, experienced. Um, but I just, I didn't have the, the like, you know, direct personal experience. So I'm like, I want to stop short of like blaming people or pointing fingers because <laughs> it didn't happen to me. If it happened to me, I'd yeah, be out here yeah. saying like, yeah, this, this is what happened to us. This is fucking bullshit. But it's like, I don't want to be the guy because I don't know all the details yeah. firsthand. Uh, but I, I just hope that like, I think the biggest thing for me now is that they still haven't refunded fans and that. Oh, tell me about it, man. (laughs) I'm still waiting on a refund. I I feel for you. I, I know of plenty of people who came in from like Australia and stuff too. And like, that's not cheap. That's Uh, really fucking expensive. Yeah, man. Like people save all year to, to like fly and make a trip like that. And, and they still, they may, they probably, my gut feeling is that they're never going to get money back. And that's fucking Mm. terrible. Yeah, man, you know, and and as as far as I know, they're they're selling tickets for this year, and they no. haven't even announced the lineup. Oh, they were already selling tickets for this year when the festival was going last year.
0: Jeez. Motherfuckers!
1: I feel like they use the uh, act of God clause, don't they? A lot. It's like if it's an act of God, mm. if it's the weather, yeah, so yeah it's out of our the, hands.
3: Well, the confusing thing about that is, so most festivals, I would assume, uh, I, I know most bigger festivals get insurance for things yep. like yes, yeah. This. yeah. And they, and they have made a statement about insurance, but to me, none of it adds up. And again, I'm like stopping short of like making a real claim here, but it's just, we don't know anything, but I I don't understand. I don't understand any of like what's happening right now. Like first and foremost, give the fans their money back. You didn't give them what they paid for. Yeah. Give them their money back.
0: Yeah. It's like, we thats where I'm at. We as punters got a day and a half, basically. Like, right. like, and especially like as a music journalist, like I was kind of looking forward to just, you know, like experiencing stuff like, you know, when Shinedown playing the UK at Download Festival, they don't headline and watching Shinedown headliner festivals, looking forward to that. Like I found it really interesting that Sleep Token had a bigger crowd than Slipknot like that weekend, you know, stuff like that. But it was only right. like a day and a half's worth of getting that stuff. And it's like, at that point, you haven't really delivered a four day festival, have you?
3: (laughs) No, not, not even close, not even close And not from what I understand from, uh, some of my friends who were there, um, the second day, the second day they like stopped bringing people in half the day. Mm. So there were people who were waiting to get shuttled into the festival who were told that the, the buses were on hold and then they never started going again. So like only half of the attendees got in on the second day
0: it it was it was a very bold strategy to have one way in and one way out for every punter it's like you get on a school bus you go in you get on a school bus you go out and that's it that's that's your entry and exit
3: yeah i don't know i i hope that if the festival continues on uh and 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 i and i from the outside looking in am very skeptical that it's gonna happen this year in the mm. first place because usually by now they have announced a lineup. Yeah. Um but I hope that if it does continue they at least take this year off. Yeah. Figure out how to pay the fans back, figure out how to do the the logistics of the festival better and then try again in twenty twenty five. I think that they at bare minimum owe it to the fans <laughs> to take a year off, re evaluate their execution and then try again. Hell yeah. Reevaluate, refund and reassemble what a mentality there it is. <laughs> That's there it is. it is. <laughs>
1: As a lyric for the new album.
0: Yeah, right. That's You know what? It is now. <laughs> you, you can have that one on the house. Well, I mean, speaking of lyrics, like one thing that we wanted to talk to you about is the fact that like, you know, we mentioned with your guitar tones, how hard they hit. But like you as a band seem to be one of, if not the best on the planet for the acapella drop just before the breakdown, whether it's live, <laughs> swinging hard, I'm swinging harder, like you name it. Like if it goes before a breakdown in the Ghost Inside song, you can probably guarantee it's gonna to be stuck in your head forever like i'm guessing a lot of that comes from virgil but again like as as the guitarist as well i imagine there's quite a lot of synergy that has to happen between the two of you to find like you know the right set of words going into the right like note-based combination
3: Just yeah me. it's uh it it is certainly the majority of it is vigil he's mm. he like his whole thing is he he's the lyrics guy you know um and even if he's not rhythmic rhythmically placing the words into the song. Like he is writing the words that we then place into the song. Um so it's it's almost always vigil. Um he's a mastermind behind that and he's got some sort of some sort of magic with those moments. Cause you're right. Like, like that, that was one of my favorite things about the band before I joined is, you know, when I, when I would go see the band, I was always the ones, uh, you know, jumping up on top of people's heads going, what do you stand for? Like that was always me, you know? (laughs) So, uh, I, you know, I totally understand that. And I, and I don't know what, what that magic gift is that he has, but he's just, he's got, I know that he's always got a running list of like, even if we're working on a record or not, his notes app on his phone is full of like lines and like words and topics. And he's always adding that stuff. So I, who knows what he's got in there. He's probably got some sort of magic voodoo going on in there that none of us could ever understand some sort of magic language. But yeah, he does really seem to have like some sort of like special talent for that, that one little three second in a song. He nails it every time. I
1: I just love it when it's like, building up to a breakdown then it just drops out for two bars and then it's just a vocal line it's just when it comes back in it just makes it the impact the impact's unbelievable especially live as well when the whole crowd's singing it it must feel great when you're up there
3: it is the coolest feeling ever i i will never get over specifically the the one that's become really big for us is uh mercy life's swinging hard but i'm swinging harder which i mean for obvious reasons given everything we've been through has become like our fans kind of designated that as like, that's just our, that's our slogan now, which is fine. I love that. That's like, that's perfect. Um, but I will never get tired of, uh, playing that song in that moment. Cause that it's always deafening. You know, we play with in-ear monitors in, and for the most part, you can't hear what's going on around you. Like we do have mics that we point towards the crowd. So it's not completely dead ears. We can hear when the crowd is, you know, responding to us, but it's, pretty quiet and every night without fail, that is still deafening. And it's like to get that kind of response for a song. That's now it's 12, 10, 10, 11 years old. Like, you know, like it's, and we went away for four years in that time period. It's like that kind of thing never gets old. That's, that is the kind of thing that like, even if you're having the worst day ever, like getting that kind of response and energy back from the people who came to see you, like can completely turn your day around. And it always does always does.
0: Because, yeah, when I saw you guys in Birmingham last March
3: yep march was it yeah
0: like that that was a particular moment in the set and like what i loved as well is like your lighting package for that run was perfect because it complemented the atmosphere of songs so perfectly whether it was you know like you had like red fills coming out during pressure points and like filling the room before like loads of strobes went off and like especially during mercy as soon as that breakdown hits like the the relationship between you know your guitars the lights and then the pits that pop off to that as well like you must have seen some destruction whilst playing that song live
3: it it can get a little a little scary at times some shows are a little bit worse than others but uh yeah you see some stuff from time to time and vid it's a it really depends on vigil's mood if he's feeling extra he's feeling extra feisty feisty things can get a little sketch like he he's gotten into uh, a habit of when he's having a really good night he'll He'll, uh, you start grabbing things on stage and tell people to crowd surf up and get, he'll give it to him. So like he'll start grabbing our guitar picks buy a handfuls and they'll steal drumsticks from Andrew and give setlicks looks and, and, and he'll encourage people to crowd surf up and you know, all of a sudden out of nowhere, there'll be a hundred people coming over the barricade at one time. And I'm just like, one day somebody's going to get dropped on their head and we're going to get sued. And this is not going to end well. This is, this is scary. This is scary.
1: <laughs> Who wants a guitar? Just grabs one of your bags. <laughs>
3: I, I've Can't made get jokes about him I've made jokes about him giving away our drummer's leg and I wouldn't put it past him <laughs> Just saying I wouldn't put it past him. Like Rocket and Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Andrew's just like, what the fuck? What I, I hey, vi- Vigil's a scoundrel. I wouldn't put it past him.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Well I mean like your live shows are unlike anything else within the heavy world because there is such a unique atmosphere when you guys play live like I feel like and I think it is a combination of like the songs that you write plus your production as well I mean like on that run like you know the open up with Avalanche where like you all walk out in the blackness then those like LED strip lights like slowly coming behind you like silhouetting you perfectly like what's your rehearsal process like when you're putting together like these packages for these different tours and finding like these different elements that you can play on live to make moments
3: so uh that's something that we're actually like actively working on every time we go out because the band obviously grew considerably post-accident like people started to find out about us more because people were talking about the accident so we are now able to do a little bit more of that stuff than we were able to pre-accident and Um, Now that we're touring, we're actually having to like really kind of figure that stuff out before we were doing things like Brixton and when we were doing things like the shrine in LA, like these were these one day things where we would hire uh, like a a lighting designer guy that we're friends with and just said, just design a show and then show up on the day of the show and we'll figure out what it looks like. Like we didn't really get time to spend really thinking it out. Um, and I think that, uh, that that tour that you came to see in Birmingham might have been the first time that we had a little bit of say before the tour of like okay let's see your design okay can we move this here uh can you program because now we do this thing called uh we run time code which is out of our click track like playback session we send an audio signal out to the lighting desk that syncs all the lights up to the the show uh so when we when you do that your lighting guy can program a whole show give you a digital vi- visualizer and you can watch the lights back on a computer without you actually playing. Yeah. So we, we get the whole show now and then we can give notes of like, uh, at this timestamp, we need this blinder to be out. It's too bright right now. Turn it off. Like you, we can do stuff like that. So we've gotten really deep into that and it got really deep, um, this past summer when we did the co headline tour with under oath where, uh, since it was a co-headline tour, us and Under Earth could split the production costs and we got Sick. to go even bigger than we normally would. So we got a giant, giant LED wall, and like this big lighting package. And we got really deep into like synchronizing video content to all the songs and like all these crazy moving lights and stuff. And it's something that we're trying to add to the visual side of the band we're trying to get a little bit deeper and be a little bit more purpose driven with everything that's happening on stage you know like we put all this time into writing the songs and writing the lyrics we want to make sure that like the show that we're putting on and for the people who pay to see us complement that in in an appropriate way and like i look at bands like um you know obviously we are nowhere near this this caliber stuff but it's a band that i draw inspiration from and i think every band in our genre does but like Bring me's production is always on point. Insane, like yeah. I I imagine that like it's I know that Ollie's kind of like their idea guy over there. Like Ollie is like for sure thinking about every single second of every single song in the set and where this light should be at that exact moment. And like I'm trying to like take a little bit of that uh like drive to just focus on all the details and So we've got a long way to go as far as figuring all that stuff out, but um, we're trying to be a little bit more intentional with all of it along the way.
0: Uh, I I think you're smashing it, man, because that show in Birmingham, like it was evident that you'd gone in there with a game plan and that you wanted certain parts to have either like, you know, feels or invoke certain emotions. And I've always said this, like no matter what level a band is at, they can always use their production to enhance stuff. And it's like, you know, you referenced Bring Me the Horizon then, like on their last tour, me and Ollie both went to see them in Birmingham. One thing I found really interesting, they CO2'd for the first five songs and bought fire in on track like five or six. And it's like, obviously fire is like, you know, the big bang, like the big spectacle payoff. So use a slightly smaller bit of production to still give impact on songs and sprinkle that in. But you keep the bigger boom for a little bit later on in the set. And I feel like with your set lists, like the booms come from these songs because almost the songs are their own productions, especially when you've got like these call outs, these mosh pits and stuff like that going on. So as someone who's responsible for like the melodic composition of the band and you're sat there, you know, like playing guitar and you're singing as well at certain points during the shows like when you're watching it all unfold like the more of this that you've done since joining the ghost inside have you felt more confident bringing these elements in like you know stuff like you just said you have your first experimentation into like led screens and stuff like that like do you feel like that's something as a band that you're like yeah fuck yeah like we've been waiting to get our hands on these toys
3: Absolutely. And I think that even started at the shrine when we used pyro for the first time and stuff like was that. that the first um, one? All, all, that was the first one. Yeah. Ooh, and so like geez. all these, all these things that like we've watched bands that we've looked up to get to like all the toys they get to play with. Like I want to set stuff on fire, you know, come on. What, what, what teenage kid doesn't dream about setting things on fire with giant flamethrowers. Come on, you, you just, know, you
1: just got to remember, uh, remember where they are. Joe, you know the at the Bring Me Tour. I was watching, I think Lee forgot that there was gonna be a fire like come a up. Fire blast. And like he was very close to it, and I saw his face, just like
3: what about that? <laughs> that, that happened to our bass player when we played Riot Fest in 2021. The Pyro guy wasn't paying attention to where our bass player was and he walked up and it actually caught the side of his body, it didn't burn him bad, but singed some of his eyebrows off. It was <laughs> it was scary. It was scary. Uh oh but yeah, God. we're we're starting to to feel I think something clicked for us last year where I feel like we, we started playing better and performing better. Cause I do think that those are two different things. You know, it's one thing to play as a band. I think we're playing as a band better than we ever have. And I think that even includes uh pre accident. Like, I think that we are just, we're finding our groove now. And I think that we've all kind of figured out how to, compensate for our physical, uh, weaknesses post-accident at this point. Um, we figured out all the workarounds and all that, but I also think that like, there is a sense of confidence and, uh, like a sense of like, we actually belong here, you know, like we, like we, we, we didn't get placed here. Like we, we deserve to be here. Kind of no Uh, pun intended, but you've earned it. Right. Exactly. Uh, and, and so I think that something clicked in all of us this past year. And I think it hit somewhere around that, like UK Empiricon tour into like summer festivals and that under, by the time we hit the under Earth tour in the States, it was like, okay, this is, we're supposed to be here now. Like th- we're supposed to be. And I think that watching videos back from the under Earth tour, like you can tell how much more confident and comfortable we all kind of feel doing this again now like we it's it's finally starting to click again which is really awesome. Dude,
0: that sends chills down my spine man cuz especially <laughs> with like new music on the way like as you mentioned like you had that Brixton show in the UK as well like your biggest headliner uh, over this side of the world to date like it A yeah, big time. Dude, your your band is the biggest it's ever been and you're coming back I, to the UK I, this
1: year. For slam dunk, yeah,
3: we're coming back for slam dunk. Yeah. We'll be at slam dunk.
1: Yeah, it's a big, big slot as well because I think it's like I Prevail, I Prevail, funeral for mm-hmm. friend, Alexandria, asking Alexandria, and yeah. then you guys,
0: yeah, huge, yeah. huge stage to be on. And
3: I mean, they so yeah, so here is the thing: is they offered us to play last year, um, but we knew we wanted to come over and do the headline run before Empiricon, so we passed. Um, and then they sent the offer again this year and we saw who was on it and we were like, yeah, these are all the bands we want to tour with. Why would we not go play that? You know? So we're actually coming over just to do those two shows just because we want to come play because we missed it last year. And it's, it's a chance for us to come play. Like we all love the I prevail guys. We all love the asking guys. Like, why would we not come hang out with our friends for two days? You know? So we're excited. Damn. We can't wait.
0: That's so wholesome. So you're not doing anything else in Europe because usually when bands come from America, they do like some of the, the German ones or like the other European ones like Hellfest,
3: but you just just slam dunking. So, yeah, we're going to take we're going to take the, the summer off from from the Eurofest. we We just did it last year. Um, <clears throat> I think we're gonna, I'm going to get myself in some trouble here, maybe. But we're I think the idea is for us to try to come over and do some sort of tour in the fall with UK and Sick. Europe. But so we're just going to come over and do uh do slam dunk hang for a couple days and then go home and then hopefully come back in the fall i think is the plan hell yeah oh yeah dude that is very very exciting have
1: you uh, had talks about this show yet have you got anything lined up special or is it a bit too early
3: <sighs> it's it's too it's a little too early uh but I, I imagine, like I said, we're, we're pretty good friends with the Asking guys. I wouldn't be surprised if we do something maybe a little exciting with the Asking guys. So we'll see what happens. Uh, th- There has been talks between our our camp. I don't know if they've extended out into the Asking camp yet, but we'll see. There We have some ideas. We'll see if they uh come to fruition or not.
0: Let's fucking go. Well, yeah. we again, we won't pro too much because we don't want to get you into any trouble. But, <laughs> dude, like, hearing... Everything that you've got going on this year makes me so damn excited. And in fact, just before we let you go, one thing that I did want to talk to you about as well, which is the song that I actually got introduced to you guys on, which was Engine 45. And that was the first Ghost in Songs. A tune that ghost inside song that i ever heard courtesy of one of my friends a guy called Andrew Shaw that i dj with in birmingham he's a massive massive fan of you guys and it was the gang vocals that really hooked me into it and then watching you perform that live because i had no idea that like you know you were part of the chorus on stage that are like singing that back like in terms of watching like a fan reaction to a song and specifically that being the song that you end your sets with as well like what is it like when you stood up there on stage, as you said, given the history of the band, given like the accident and, you know, like I'm assuming that most people who've watched this show know what the accident that you've referred to throughout the interview was like how affirming is it watching this song that you end your set on being the legacy of your band moving forward because for me when i when i watch that performance in birmingham and you end on engine 45 and it's literally like that gang vocal is the last thing that you hear from the ghost inside before you leave and go home it is such a positive note to leave people on which kind of feels like the whole antithesis of the band
3: yeah i mean that that is literally the entire spirit of the band um and that's you know that's exactly how we want people to leave the show. We want people to leave on a high note like that. Um, you know, like I, I was hearing stories about, uh, people leaving Brixton and like, you know, crowds of people walking out and still singing the end of that song together, walking down, you know, like to, to leave and go home. Like that's, that's awesome. That's what I want. Uh, but yeah, you, like I said, you never get, um, you never get tired of that. It's, it's a, it gets emotional sometimes too. Like it's watching people in the crowd have like, fully emotional, physical responses to the song. Like I've broken down on stage crying and like from watching people, you know, uh, have that, have their own reaction like that. You know, another one that does that is, uh, our song white light, which is about, uh, Vigil's brother passing. Um, it's not uncommon at almost every single show for us to play that song. And someone in the crowd has had a similar situation as vigil. And so they start crying and then vigil starts crying and then all of us, and then it's all, and then it's game over, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that having any song, even if it's just one song, any song at all where you can see, uh, see it evoke an emotional response from the people who come to see you like that. There's nothing more rewarding. Cause that's, I mean, isn't that all, we're really hoping for with music is to like make somebody feel something in any way you know like and isn't that why we're writing music in the first place is because it makes us feel something you know and i i and i just feel grateful that uh vigil Vigil's trying to use this, this platform that like, we're extremely lucky to have for like the greater good, you know, he's trying to push a a positive message in, in what literally is like, what feels like the darkest, most depressing times that anybody could ever be alive. Uh, you know, Vigil's out here waving the flag for the greater good. And so I think that's, I I feel really fortunate to be, uh, a part of like that whole process with him. You know what I mean? Uh, dude
0: and we are so grateful for your time as well man because like hearing your insight and just listening to you talk about this band that it's quite clear that you were just a fan of this band before you joined and big time like having someone who loves what they do and making it like it is the best feeling to watch and dude at any point in time you ever want to come back on the show and shoot the shit if you ever want to talk about any of the new music you got working on we're always here and we'll always do everything we can support you because i i think i speak for both of us when we say we fucking love your band man
3: oh Oh, well i i appreciate that guys yeah anytime you want me i'm i'm down (laughs) let's do it Hell yeah! Soon, soon enough, we'll be able to talk about the new record, like like may, maybe real soon. So maybe we come back on sooner rather than later, and we get to talk yeah. about the record then.
0: Fuck yeah! Well, in the meantime, we'll be in your DMs, just asking you when's the date, bro. <laughs> <It's>,
3: sounds good. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Well, my friends, show a lot of love and appreciation for our guest on today's show, Chris from the Ghost Inside. Cheers, Chris. See you guys. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it, man. Of course hell yeah well it goes my friends what a show that was
1: yeah 50 minutes we did that yeah two yeah. hours just flown flew, by flew by
0: absolutely flown by well a massive thank you to sam from shields and to chris from the ghost inside if you missed anything from today's show whether you joined halfway through any interviews you can go back and watch on youtube underneath the live tab or you can
1: listen to the audio podcast as long as we haven't been taken down for playing Bad Omens. <laughs>
0: Definitely will have a copyright dispute uh, on that uh, one. Sumerian
1: Records, they might be all right. Maybe. Know. It's not yeah. Sony. Very true. But, yeah, it's been a good one. Yeah. A lot of uh good chats. A lot of guitar talk today. I've loved it. A lot of riffs in the chat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well unfortunately I haven't been as organized as I was last week I don't know who's gonna be on next Monday show I've got um, a hit list that I'm striving for I'm
1: just yeah I'm so we're trying to get um Metallica yeah um Tyler Joseph and Tony pilots yeah he just keeps on ignoring your DMs doesn't he, he does. <laughs> yeah I've, I've messaged him every John day for the last five years DMs him yeah twice a day yeah I've ramped it up to twice a day now yeah who else can we get um, T-Swift
0: T-Swift Yeah oh, I I'll drop no- her I'll drop her a message <laughs>
1: <laughs> See what she says um, But yeah Until She replies We don't know Who's going to be on the show. Do
0: you, do you actually know That like Through six degrees Of separation We actually do know Taylor
1: Swift Ish Kind of Because I reckon I can probably Link back To most people In six Degrees You reckon
0: Because Sophie Lloyd who we know amazing guitar player well, i don't know uh,
1: so that's kind of
0: well know but, uh, you yeah yeah <laughs> you know but that's a degree plays guitar for mgk yep mgk puts on his own festival in cleveland ohio mm-hmm. which is where the kelsey brothers are from yep. and the la i think it's last year when they did it travis kelsey was there because he's boys with mgk he watched Sophie Lloyd perform live and then when she put up a photo being like performed at this festival in Cleveland, Travis actually commented on the photo of the rock horns. Yeah. And now Travis Kelsey's going out with Taylor Swift. So there you go.
1: Yeah. It's kind of a loose connection. That's
0: right. why it's six degrees of separation.
1: Yeah. I guess if you know someone that counts, isn't it?
0: Yeah, right. All it like, all it is is about knowing someone who knows someone.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm just one away from that because I know you.
0: Yeah, exactly. There we go. Seven <laughs> degrees of separation. But yeah, unfortunately, that was a very long-winded way of us saying, don't know who's going to be on Monday's show.
1: Travis Kelsey. Kelsey <laughs> on the show.
0: Yeah. Just before he goes and plays in the Super Bowl the weekend after.
1: Can you believe uh, Taylor Swift put, put his name on the map? No one knew who he was.
0: Before no. That. No. He, he only had two Super Bowls before then. No one knew
1: who he was. No. <laughs> I've seen people get so pissed off with that means nothing to me i don't know watch don't watch football you know american football just get into it man it's a great sport now's the long time i'd watch it the season's just about to end i'd watch it if they use their foot more use their feet more Mm. (laughs) don't really use the feet in football yeah yeah that's true so it's not real it's not real football (laughs) anyway i'm just rambling
0: Right. Thank you ever so much for joining us today, my friends. We will be back on Monday with a brand new show. But all that's left for me to say is my name's John Mahon. Peace and love.
1: Stay alive. And I'm or out. Go fuck yourselves.